Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The West Wing is a TV drama that takes place in the White House. The show's focus is on a fictional president named Jed Bartlett. Now, just out of curiosity, how many people have watched The West Wing? Wow! I've watched one show for this sermon. So, this, uh, this red-tape bunch of politicians and cutthroat advisors around this fictional president, Jed Bartlett, the whole thing takes place in the White House. And what we find in this drama is that the professional duties kind of intermix with their personal lives, and that happens quite often. And in the scene you're about to see, Josh Lyman, Deputy Chief of Staff, has recently returned to work after a hospitalization that resulted from him saving the life of the president by stepping in front of a gun of an active shooter. It's evening, and Josh has spent the day with a therapist he didn't ask for, but was told he had to be with in a room all day. And so he's coming to terms with the aching reality that because of that incident, he has post-traumatic stress disorder. And you're going to see that he's on his way out of the office, and his boss, the chief of staff, Leo McGarry, has waited to see how he's doing. So please play the clip. Howdy, Bill. Did you wait around for me? How'd it go? He thinks I may have an eating disorder. Josh. And uh, fear of rectangles. That's not weird, is it? I didn't cut my hand on class. I broke a window in my apartment. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in the hall. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey, you can yell me out. The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. As long as I got a job, you got a job, you understand? Have you ever felt like Josh? You're going about your life, and... You didn't see the crisis that was about to hit, that rocked you, that took your breath away, a trauma that for a time created a giant hole in your landscape of which you seemed to fall in. Whether it happened in a blink of an eye or whether it was a simmering hot stove of guilt or stuffing feelings down or guilt until finally the crack happened. And when you hit the bottom and looked up, all you saw were steep walls 
No easy way out. Absolutely impossible by yourself. You needed help. But then the help didn't come the way in which you expected it. Your shout out to the people you expected to help, it didn't go very far. And then instead, someone unexpected, like a colleague at work, reaches out, drops down, drops down into that hole with you and says, you don't have to worry. I've been here before. I know the way out. Have you ever felt like Josh's boss, Leo? You're going about your life and you encounter a family member or a friend or a work colleague or even a stranger who you saw in a hole and you stopped and you joined them where they were. And by the grace of God, you remembered the door that Jesus became for you. And like a sheep following the shepherd back to the flock, you helped take that person by the hand, led them out of the darkness, starting the journey of healing. You stayed. You listened. You just sat with. You prayed. And it made all the difference. Minister, speaker, author Nora Jones has this one-line quote I love. Community persists when everything else falls apart. When PTSD settles in for a while to stay, it feels like you're falling apart. And how is post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosed? For an individual to be diagnosed with PTSD, that person must experience certain symptoms that impair their daily functioning for a minimum of one month one month following that traumatic event. And those symptoms can include flashbacks, disturbing thoughts, awful dreams, avoiding reminders of the event, having difficulty sleeping, feeling anxious, on the edge, difficulty controlling anger, like Josh put his hand to the window of his house, Negative thoughts that come one after another, negative feelings that you can't seem to stop, a lack of enjoyment at anything or anyone that brought you joy. These symptoms reveal the presence of trauma and show us that they can cause severe physical, emotional, sociological reactions when diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. What has been interesting is that Research with combat veterans has actually given evidence that has helped everyone who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's more than just the symptoms of the disorder that need repairing through therapy and medication. There is a deeply spiritual aspect to combat that is much more than only the psychological or the physiological, and yet all three are intertwined. So imagine research-tested spiritual life makes a huge difference in the treatment of PTSD. So the impact of a person struggling with this disorder is far-reaching. It affects everyone in their family. Family members, friends, neighbors, churches, communities, the larger society as a whole. And imagine how difficult it must be to leave 
full-time active duty and adjust to civilian life with limited time spent before discharge on how to do that, the process of re-entering society, or the hardship of suddenly losing a loved one, a traumatic, out-of-the-blue loss, a serious auto accident, an illness, being the victim of abuse or a crime, a natural disaster. And this is why it is so essential for all who live with post-traumatic stress disorder to find support in local churches and communities and families to provide support because you are our brothers and our sisters, our sons and our daughters, our nephews, our nieces, our mothers, our fathers who struggle with the aftermath of trauma and the symptoms that come with it. Paul in his letter to the young church in Thessalonica blesses the congregation saying, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole being, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Treating the whole person brings healing. In essence, faith really does matter. It offers meaning and purpose to our pain. People can grow from their traumatic experiences in their faith, and the faith community can play an important part in encouraging their growth. This is actually called post-traumatic growth. Never heard of it. It is out there. Which brings me back to Community persists when everything else falls apart. In the life of the church, I met Jesus as a child in Sunday school, born and bred Presbyterian from the get-go. I'm getting to know him still with every year that passes, and in light of mental illness, I begin to think about, since it's not like a section in the Bible that we can look up, hey Jesus! Tell us how to handle mental illness. I began to think about who he is, what his mission was to serve, how he treated people, and how much we can learn from him. There are hundreds of books, probably thousands, on Jesus, and most will say he's the perfect counselor. Most often highlight his ability to accept people for who they are to meet people wherever they are, up in a tree, <coughs> half dead, dead, rising from the grave, he brings them to life. He meets people on the road, he breaks bread with people, he stays at houses of friends, he takes on the Pharisees, he's in the temple, wherever he goes, he is present with whoever is in front of him. And he shows compassion. They also reference many times Jesus, the way he listens. He's an active listener. And how do you know somebody is actively listening to you? Here's the trick. They ask you more questions. Jesus shows us as his church today that we need to do more than listen. We need to help understand. He offered healing and he offered love and he offered acceptance and he didn't judge and he brought those he encountered in his ministry into the life of the church, into a community, 
of believers. So what would it mean for us to say and to do? Your trauma, it doesn't make me uncomfortable because you're welcome here. And don't think that you're too damaged because you're loved by a God that will never let you go. Trauma is not new to the world, and it definitely wasn't new to Jesus. He's seen it all before through his own traumatic experiences during his earthly life, through the pain he felt through the lives of those around him, for all the Christians that have been persecuted since and to this day around the world. So there is no one better equipped to handle the burden of trauma than Jesus. Scripture says, by his stripes, we are healed. Christian artist Toby Mack suffered the death of his son. In one of his songs, he wrote this line, in the middle of pain and disappointment and suffering, it is faith that whispers, this isn't permanent. What if we say to those who are suffering from trauma, your wound, your suffering, it wasn't wasted. It wasn't for nothing. There's a purpose to your pain. In Jesus we find purpose for the pain and strength for the struggle and faith for the fight. Trauma will change you. There is no question about that. But the change doesn't always have to be negative. Through traumatic experiences, more often perceived as a catalyst to some downward spiral in your life, it's important to realize that through treatment, through a supportive, loving community, like the church, you can get through that treatment with people walking alongside you, the good days, the hard days, the in-between days, and then you will come out of that experience the wounded healer, Henry Nowen, years ago talked about the power of being a wounded healer and helping others who are now going through what you went through years earlier. Without all the ache, without all the tears, we wouldn't have grown so much. 1 Corinthians 1.4 reminds us, walking through the fire is hard enough, but having enough faith to help others through their own fire while still in yours is extraordinary. People who suffer trauma talk about trauma like there are scars. But I believe that scars tell the story of our lives. So often when those who have suffered trauma seek counsel from a Christian, they are met with words right away like, you're going to be restored, you're going to be redeemed, you're going to be and yet they're at the start of their journey or perhaps they haven't even recognized it in themselves. And while those words are wonderful and they are rooted in scripture, they can feel a little off target to someone, a little overwhelming, whose wounds run deep. And so how could you ever hope to be redeemed and restored or healed after what you've gone through? And that's where you're at in the throes of PTSD. The scar left by trauma is supposed to change you. There's a great little thing out there, a post I saw. 
It's a coffee shop, and there's a caterpillar, and there's a butterfly. And the caterpillar looks at the butterfly and goes, my, you've changed. And the response from the butterfly is, aren't we supposed to? Amen. It's a natural response to an unnatural experience like trauma. Perhaps it's stating the obvious, but to be unchanged by an unnatural experience just isn't natural. Don't you think that Jesus, in all of his power, could have treated himself to a brand new body after the resurrection? He didn't have to walk around with the scars on his hand and his side and his feet, but yet when he appeared to the disciples, remember Thomas, he had to see. He had to see the scars. When your hand touches a scar on your body, you're probably reminded of what happened that put that scar there. So imagine rubbing your hand over a scar on your soul. What story would the scar tell? Nothing speaks more powerfully than the story of someone who's experienced devastating circumstances rising up and living with purpose and power, and we just saw Dave do that. Jesus provides you with a path to that kind of story, one of true restoration and redeeming and healing, because faith plays a major role in the healing process. Jesus says your faith has made you whole in Mark 5. And James explains in James 5.15 that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Jesus himself was a proponent of medicine, stating in Mark 2.17, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. In fact, the disciple, Luke, was a physician. Faith and medicine are not enemies. It is not an either-or proposition. Rather, they are meant to complement one another. And we believe that the wounds inflicted by trauma affect the mind, the body, and the soul. In order for true healing to occur, all aspects of your wounds must be treated. Jesus doesn't seek the healing of your soul at the expense of your mind and your body. How often did we see him before he ever preached or taught? He fed people because they were hungry. But faith, by its very nature, embraces uncertainty. And Lord knows COVID-19 has taught us that. Faith fills in the gaps that science cannot explain. Faith tells us life is a temporary gift and that one day we will be with the Lord. Faith tells us that God works all things together for God's first purpose, even if it doesn't seem logical to us at the time. And we can't worry ourselves into that kind of faith, nor can we buy it, nor can we borrow it. Simply put, faith is a gift. It's a gift that enables us to cling to hope and abide in Jesus and when everything else seems hopeless. When anxiety takes over, when tears fill your eyes, Remember three things. Jesus is with you. Still with you. Always with you. If you or someone you know is struggling to reconcile your faith with your trauma, consider the words of hope of Psalm 23. 
The psalm starts with acknowledging, this is King David, acknowledging that he's walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkness. Naming depression and anxiety, other mental illnesses are like that. You're in the darkness and you name it and you bring it to God and say, I want out of the hole. Lord, you are my shepherd. Lord, you make me rest. Lord, you lay me down in green pastures and you lead me beside your still waters and the Lord who loves me. I know you love me. I know you'll restore my soul to the core of who I am. You're going to make me stronger than I was before. You're going to lead me in the right path, always with me, even when I walk through that valley. You will help me not to fear. Faith over fear, you are with me still. Ask for what you need from Jesus. I know I say it as kind of a joke, kind of a funny, but what therapists should reveal to you all is that they would be out of work if we all learned how to ask for what we need from our relationships, even from Jesus. So, on your insert on the bottom, it says, what do you need from Jesus today? And there's a list of things that you might need I knew what was coming, so I cut mine up ahead of time. A plus for me. <laughs> and I want you to cut that up. And I want you to post it somewhere. And if you don't know what you need, maybe these words will help you figure out what you need. And I can tell you that Kim Ludwig had a fantastic idea that we're getting in the works, and we're actually going to have a board. And it's going to have these words, like keychains. So people can come in on a Sunday morning and grab what they need and put it on their keychain and walk through the week with it and bring it back. We're going to learn to ask for what we need together, even from Jesus who can't wait. Repeat after me. I am fully known and loved by Jesus Christ. In this church family known as RGPC, we seek to love and serve Jesus by loving and serving others. We know what the view is like from the bottom of the hole. Collectively, we know that Jesus is the door that leads the way out. And individually, Kate and Bob and I, your pastoral team, will connect you to someone here who has been where you are and is more than willing to jump in and say to you, I've been down here before, and I know the way out. And there will be a day when you will pay it forward. Because together we are learning how to be disciples of Jesus, growing our faith through our ministry and relationships, through the Bible, through prayer, through worship, through Bible study. And we're learning to rest on the promise of today's verse that nothing will be able to ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. So let us commit to being the friend, the disciple of Jesus, the congregation who never walks by mental illness, instead builds a bridge of faith and hope and love where faith 
and mental illness connect. Amen.